Let's stand together today and open our Bibles to John, uh, to John chapter 10, uh, verse 10. We'll read that passage together. John 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Father, we thank you for your word today. Very simply, Father, as we share this simple word this morning. Let it resonate in the heart of every believer to pursue you intimately in a greater way than ever before. And Father, for anyone who's here who has never surrendered their life to you, let them hear about the best life ever that can happen in their life when they discover an intimate relationship with you. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 53 years ago today, 59 people gathered in a, reno- in a house that had been renovated to be a lodge hall. It smelled of cigar smoke and beer when you walked in the door. As you heard today, the first song that group sang was Blessed Assurance. Most of the people that were there were friends of the pastors and the co-founders and We're just there to say, good luck. Hope things go well for you. There were about 12 of those people who are actually committed to bringing a new church family to life in Springfield, Illinois. From the very beginning, the pastors wanted to build a church that would minister to people from the cradle to the grave. And so that's why you see, even today, the things that we have like Uh, You know, our nurseries and our children's departments and Play Zone and Calvary Academy and so many other ministries that minister to children, to junior hires, to high schoolers, all the way to things like CRV, uh, our retirement village, and other things where that minister to people in their senior years. Uh, The second Sunday of the church, they started a children's Sunday school class. That's how intent they were on moving uh, to, that, to that vision of being a church that ministers to people from the cradle to the grave. To tell the story of our journey from Spring Street uh, to Hazel Dell and Jefferson Street would take weeks. The steps of faith, the moments of revelation, strategic vision and strategic changes that happened throughout those years, things that we thought we would never do that God suddenly called us to do, Uh, the trials, the losses, and the victories. From the very beginning, the goal was to help people have a life-changing, life-building relationship with God. Not a religion, but a relationship. I know that because I was, I, I was there and had a prime seat to observe at the founding pastor's table and to hear them talk about what they wanted to accomplish and what they wanted to do. As the years went by and as generations changed and I came into more and more leadership role, we wanted to define that vision as clearly as we could so, so that everyone would know what we were about. And in prayer one day, I found myself drawn to this passage that we just read, that we may have life and have it abundantly. And we begin to state that as the vision, the vision of Calvary Church, 
seemed to fit, this verse seemed to fit perfectly. It was to help people discover life to the full that Jesus promised us to have the best life ever here and in eternity. We began to state that as our vision and began to set about the goal of, of trying to help people discover that life to the full. But here was the problem that we faced. I knew people, we knew people who were Christ followers, had been Christ followers for a while, but were not experiencing life to the full. They would come and talk to me sometimes at, over lunch or around the altar or at the office, and they would talk about things going on in their life that they were unhappy about, that they wished would change, that they pray would change. And when we began to ask them the cause of the reason why they didn't feel like they were experiencing everything God had for them, they usually defined it as something. There was usually something that they put onto it. I remember talking with people during that time who would just say to me, if I could just find somebody and get married, then I would be happy. Don't laugh if you're sitting right next to your spouse. That wouldn't be good. I remember talking with people during that time who would say, if I could just get a different job, if I could just get out of the job that I'm in and get into something different, then I would be happy. I remember, remember talking with families who would say, if my kids would just behave themselves, they'd just do what I ask them to do, my life would be easy, I'd be happy. And I talked with people who said, if I could just get out of this marriage, be done with it, then I would be happy. I remember talking to someone once and said, if I could just get more money. And I told, told this man in particular, I said, you know what? Uh, money won't make you happy. It fades. In time, it fades. And he said, well, I would really, I thought he was clever. He said, I'd really like to try being unhappy with money for a while. <laughs> thought, well, there you go. That's what, I, that's what I really thought most people felt as we talked. If I could just change this thing or that thing, I would be having my best life ever. The problem was I knew people in exactly the same place that they were in at that moment, single or without a lot of money or in a tough job or whose kids weren't behaving the way they want, going through the same kind of things that they were going, the health challenges that person was facing, that was experiencing life to the full, that did have the best life ever in the middle of things that they wished would change as well. And I knew people that had what they thought was the answer but didn't have life to the full. People who did have a lot of money and it wasn't the answer. People who did find somebody to marry and it wasn't the answer. People whose kids were behaving and it wasn't the answer. The people who had life to the full it began to get clearer and clearer to me during that time. The people who had life to the full had certain traits about them that were separate from those things. They had peace in their life. They had a measure of security in the way they lived their life. They had a sense of fulfillment, a sense of purpose, that their life 
mattered. It counted for something. They had a sense of wholeness, of belonging, of being a part of something bigger than themselves. And and they had a spirit of self-control about them, a, a power over the urges of the flesh and authority over the emotions of life and even over the pressures of culture that they seemed to just kind of let bounce off of them. These people had lives that were the best lives ever, and it wasn't about marriage, and it wasn't about money. It wasn't about power or fame or control. It wasn't even about health. Even the semblance that all those things, or even the semblance that all those things were going as planned. In fact, what I discovered, what I watched is this. Their lives were on the same roller coaster that people who weren't experiencing life to the full was on. They they were still having the ups and downs of life. They had relationship issues sometimes. They had tough times at work at times where they didn't like the way things were going. They had money issues sometimes. They even had health issues. But these people had a different awareness about them, a different sense of what life is about. These troubles didn't seem to bother them as much. They didn't get down into the core of their being. They didn't find peace or fear in those issues. They had peace and victory over fear and security in spite of those issues. These people, as you watch them, they had peace, and you'd begin to talk to them about this peace. And as I began to watch them, as I began to pray about this and watch things in my own life, there's this peace that comes from, listen to me, knowing that God loved them. Understanding that God's love was steadfast for them. The creator of the universe loved them, wanted the best for them. And no matter what else was going on, they were finding their peace in that relationship with him. And they could walk through some struggles. They had a sense of security, and their security came from walking in obedience to God's word. Their security wasn't in their bank account. Their security wasn't in their degrees. Their security wasn't in their marriage. Their security was that if they obeyed God, they could count on God to keep his word to them. They could trust God, that even when the storm was raging, that they knew that God was in the boat with them, that he was going to keep them, and that he was going to be with them. That their fulfillment didn't come, again, from pleasures. Their fulfillment didn't come from the things they had. Their fulfillment didn't come from the things they wanted to do and were going to be able to do. Their fulfillment came from knowing, from the sense of knowing their purpose in God. Why did God create them? What were they supposed to be doing? What was their life about? Why were they gifted and made and placed in exactly the places they were placed, exactly the way they were made? Too many times you find people who find their fulfillment in some temporary thing. Let me warn you, if you find yourself 
that your fulfillment is raising your kids, you're going to wake up someday and your kids are going to be grown and gone. And then you're going to be going, what? what's my life about now? See, the changing things of life are one thing. The intent of God's purpose for your life is another. I found that these people had wholeness. They, 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 they found themselves that they'd come from this love, they were a, a part of this loving, bo- a part of the body of Christ. They were in relationship with other believers who were on the same journey they were on. They knew them. They got to know them. They invited them into their life. They shared burdens with them. They shared their needs with them. They shared the needs of that person. They helped lift them up in times of trouble, and they got encouraged and lifted up in times of trouble. There was a sense of wholeness that came into their life because they were connected to other people on the same journey. They didn't think these people were perfect. They didn't see them as perfect. They knew they were struggling and walking through this journey just like them. And yet together, in that unity together, there was a sense of wholeness. And they discovered a sense of self-control. Self-control over the flesh, self-control over emotions. They weren't, their emotions weren't swayed by every wind that blew into their life. In fact, amazingly at times, when raging storms would come rolling into their life, they would stand in the middle of it, controlled and at peace because of the presence of God in their life. You'd look at them and say, how are you doing? And they'd say, strangely, I'm doing okay. I feel the presence of God sustaining me. They had this self-control that came from the power of the Holy Spirit living in them. And it gave them a power to say no to a world that would try to get them to live a way they knew they shouldn't. No to things that would tempt them and draw them into it that they knew would be destructive. No to things that they should say no to and yes to things they should say yes to. Do you want your best life ever? It doesn't come from stuff doesn't come from positions. I've seen people with all kinds of stuff, didn't have their best life ever. People with very little stuff that were living their best life ever. It doesn't even come from church stuff. Oh, I'll just show up to church every Sunday and do things. No, it doesn't, it doesn't just come from that. Even though God will have some of all of those things for you. The best life ever comes in a personal, personal intimate relationship with God. And this is where I think many, many Christians fall short in their understanding of Christianity. We kind of get into this thing, oh, Christianity is I need to be at church and maybe I need to be involved in a ministry or maybe I need to you know, give something or do something. All of those are really supposed to be the outworking of this intimate relationship with God and a desire to grow in a more intimate relationship with God. It's in this personal communication with God where he is allowed to speak to you and where you talk to him. When was the last time you really heard God speaking to you? When was the last time you really listened and took a moment to say, God, I want you to speak to me? When was the last time you opened your heart and said, God, I want your will in my life. 
You and me, God, just you and me. I want to know you and I want to know your will. I want the fruit of your spirit in my life. See, here, here is the challenge. The challenge is whether you're going to be a person who really grows in this intimate relationship with God or whether you're just going to be maybe a churchgoer, a person who shows up. Maybe you even by discipline read your Bible. But do you read your Bible with the open heart of saying, God, show me what you want to show me. Teach me what you want me to learn. It's in this intimate relationship with God that you find this peace that passes understanding. It's in that intimate relationship with God that you begin to discover the the passions of your life and the purpose those bring into your life. So here's a couple of things to, to think about. Do you believe there's a God that started all this? Do you believe there's a God that gave you life? If not, if not, then you just believe all of this, all that you see, all the, all the earth that you see, all the stars in the sky, all the intricacy of man's body and being, all of the things that we are, they came about just by an accident. And friends, if that's the case, there's no assured way to anything in any of our life except suffering. That we can guarantee you. Suffering will come in this meaningless life. We will suffer at some point in time. So the slogan fits. Eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow you die. No guarantees in life. Everything is meaningless. And when you stand at the gravesides of the people you love... You say goodbye forever. If you believe there is a God, that he created us, then what do you believe about? Do you believe he created us and then he just ran off? He just disappeared out there in the cosmos someplace and said, well, that was a fun experiment. Hope they have a good time with that. Or do you believe that this creator wants to communicate to us? See, Many people confess that we believe he wants to communicate to us. We say things like, uh, oh, my loved one who just died, they're in a better place. Well, where'd we get that idea? Where'd that come from? That came from a God communicating to our spirit a sense of eternity. God talking to us and telling us things that are right and wrong. Here's what the Bible says. God tells us in the Bible, from the very beginning of the Bible to the very end, from Genesis to Revelation, he tells us that he created you and me so that he could have a loving relationship with us. Not a distant relationship, not a silent relationship, but that he has come, he he created us so he could walk with us in the garden so he could communicate with us through our life on this earth even after we have fallen. In the garden, our founding fathers ruined that relationship by doing life their way instead of God's way. Instead of obeying God and listening to their creator, they ignored his instruction and did what they wanted to do. We call that sin and all the pain all the suffering that is in the world today 
is a result of sin, of us doing life our way or somebody else doing life their way and it impacts us. In the middle of that mess, the Bible reveals to us that God miraculously sent Jesus' son. We're going to talk about that a lot in the month of December. Jesus' son to offer you and me a way back into relationship with him so that we can have life to the full. We can have the best life ever. In the middle of Jesus coming here, he taught us how to live when he was on this earth. We're going to take a little bit of time next Sunday and we're going to talk about five very important lessons that Jesus taught us on this earth. And I want to tell you, you can't have the best life ever until you grasp these five things. You've got to grasp them and live by them if you're ever going to have the best life ever. He taught us how to do that. But then even more miraculously, Jesus paid our debt of sin on Calvary so that all who come to him and call on his name can have a relationship with him. This is the central message of everything we're about. This is why we call our church Calvary because everything starts and ends right there. Right there on the cross where Jesus, this man sent from from heaven, the Son of God, who lived a perfect life on this earth, went and willingly gave himself on the cross, died so that the price I owe, the price that you owe for being a people of sin could be once and for all paid and I could come and put on his righteousness, wear his purity, be cleansed from my sin, and stand in a new relationship with God. That happened at Calvary, and that happened for you. And here's the deal. You cannot, I cannot, Stand before God, forgiven and cleansed. I cannot stand before God in a right relationship with him. If I go before God any other way than through the blood of Christ, with his righteousness upon my life by faith, if I go any other way, I go before him as a guilty, failed human being who's lived life his own way and cannot stand in the presence of a holy and living God. If I come before him with my faith in Jesus, he promises that I will be covered from my sin and I can walk in the righteousness of God. This is where the best life ever begins. It begins right here in this place where we come and we put on the the grace of God on our life by faith and we enter into a relationship with God where he begins to let us feel that peace that passes understanding where we begin to walk in obedience to him in everything in everything where we walk in obedience to him so we can walk in the security of life where we discover the purpose of why he created us 
so that we can have fulfillment inside of our being no matter what the circumstances are of our life where we can have wholeness of life because we belong to a body of believers and where we can have this power of self-control in our spirit that only comes by the Holy Spirit dwelling in us that gives us victory over our past, gives us victory over our future, gives us victory over what others do to us so we can walk in the will and the purpose of God. All of that begins when we ask Christ into our life and we begin to follow him. Let's stand together today and let's pray. Father, my first prayer today is, uh, is for those who are Christians in this place. Christians, Father, who they love your son, they surrender their life to your son. But Lord, they haven't begun to walk in that intimate relationship with you that gives them the best life ever. They haven't learned to listen to your voice, to talk to you. Father, they haven't begun to really pursue really being pleasing to you in every way. They haven't learned the joy of those things. And I just pray for them today. That, Lord, they call themselves a Christian, but there's some nagging emptiness in their life. Father, they call themselves a Christian, but there's this troubled thing in their life. They think, if I can just get this or get that, then I'll be filled up in life. Lord, let them hear the lie of that today. And let them hear that they're supposed to have their best life ever, ever, right now. Whether they're rich or poor, whether they're in the perfect relationship or not, whether their kids are doing well or not, whether the health is treating us the great or not, that with you, in you, there's a fulfillment. Lord, I know for some right now, they're thinking, that, that just can't be true. I can't be happy without that thing. But Lord, we just pray that they'd hear today. They would hear today. I know the enemy's whispering that in ears. I, I pray that hear today, Lord, that push that aside and hear your promise that you come into their life so they can have the fullness of life. Now, if that's not just you answering their wish list, that's you being intimate and personal with them where they find their joy in you. Lord, help us to capture that today, we pray. In Jesus' name. And Father, we pray today for uh, those in this room who may be far from you. They've never surrendered their life to your son. Lord, speak to their hearts today. Let them know that you love them. Let them know you want to walk with them and be with them as you did so many of us in this room already. Let your spirit, Father, reign in them and let them surrender their heart to you today and receive the fullness of your grace in their life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. You'll say, Pastor, uh, Pastor Mark, as I'm standing here today, I know I need to, I, I just sense, I, I, I don't have this relationship with God you're talking about. I, I sense that I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. I want, and I want to do that. I want to 
I want to go to the cross of Calvary and let the blood of Christ cover me so that when I stand before God someday, I'll stand there forgiven. And I want to begin to discover this life to the full that he's talking about. If that's you, just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me today. We're going to pray for you here in just a second. Looking across this room for anyone today, you'll raise your hand and say, pray for me today. Lord, we love you today. We glorify you today. Father, you know the condition of every heart in this room. And Lord, I pray you would fill this room week after week with people who don't know you. That, Father, not only would we come that do know you, but that many would come that don't know you. And that, Father, they would discover the fullness of love. I pray you'd put a spirit of evangelism in us. Put a spirit of, uh, of, of boldness and love and kindness in us. And, and speak to us, Father, and move in our lives so that we will bring the loss into your house. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come down front right now. Now, I'm going to challenge you today. Maybe, maybe you've came, come here with a friend. Maybe you brought a friend today. Before you get out of here, uh, ask your friend that brought you, what do you think about what he said? Before you get out of here, ask the friend you brought, what do you think about what he said? And share your testimony of what God has done in your life with them. Listen, this is an important thing for us to help every person have the life the full that God has for them. I'm going to be right over here at the side. I'll, anybody who wants to ask me questions about this, I'll be over here for a few minutes. But right now, if you have a need in your life, we believe that when we pray together, powerful things happen. See, whatever need you have, maybe it's one of those things we just mentioned. Maybe you need a new job. Maybe you need health, new health. Maybe you need your relationship to get healed. Maybe you need a relationship. We, we still think God cares about all those things. We just don't think they're the answer to life to the full. Did you hear me? God still cares about all that stuff. Life to the full comes in Him. The best life ever only comes in Him. That's what we're trying to tell you. But He still cares about all this other stuff in our life too. So if you have any issues in your life, these folks are down here just to pray with you today. Step on out, come down, let them pray with you. In a few moments, moments uh, Dan will dismiss you. We love you. God bless you. I challenge it. Let's seek that presence of God that gives us the best life ever.